thanks, Kevin, so much for joining us. Uh, this is the Rick and Danny Show. Uh, I'm Danny. This is Rick. We're uh, so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I think you're our first guest from a from a different state, so we're we're excited to have you on. And um, you know, I read a little bit about your bio and how you got started. And I understand you graduated from Boston University. Uh, stayed at Boston University for your medical training and uh, completed your residency there. Uh, and then it looked like you had an interest in blogging initially, and you got involved in medical blogging and created this really nice website for other physicians to use as a platform. Uh, and then it looked like close to the pandemic when COVID-19 hit, you got interested in forming your own podcast, and that's kind of what made me reach out to you is that you have this big platform where you get to reach out to a lot of physicians and have some great conversations. And I thought, since we're new to this and new to the podcast scene, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about it and learn more from you. And um, one of the questions I had for you is how was that start uh, to getting your podcast going? And, you know, during the pandemic, of course, and and what were some of the um, things that were easy to do and kind of challenges along the way to get your podcast started? Sure. Well, first off, thank you so much for for having me on. It's always wonderful to have more physicians in the, not just the podcast space, but the whole social media space as well, because I think it's so important. And we'll talk about this later to really just get our voices out there. So like you said, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been, I do primary care, internal medicine. I've been practicing for almost 20 years now. And I founded Kevin MD, which is an online platform where physicians and other healthcare professionals can really share their stories and have their voices be heard. And I did start that podcast at the pandemic. And I've always wanted to start a podcast because I have so many guest authors on Kevin MD. And I thought it would be a great idea if I interviewed them and not only ask them questions, but they can share their stories in their own voices as well. But I never had the bandwidth to do that up until the pandemic, because I was then partially furloughed. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went from seeing patients, you know, three to four days a week to one to two days per week. So I thought that, hey, this was a great opportunity to really try something new. And one of the lessons that I heard from other um, physician podcasters, I think, uh, Nee Darko, right? He, he does the Docs Outside the Box podcast. And he said that, if you start a podcast and it's perfect right off the bat, then you started too late, right? So you just have to jump right in and you just have to know that, hey, the first few episodes are probably not going to be perfect. It's going to be a little rough. And listening back to my first few episodes, there are definitely a lot of rough edges. But I'm happy I jumped in because um, I think we were talking offline you nowhere else can you have the opportunity to just get these experts from across the country, have them sit down with you for 15 to 20 minutes in my case, have their undivided attention and ask them anything that you want. Really, it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity just to learn about pretty much everything um, to do with medicine, listen to their stories, ask them whatever I want. Uh, I'm approaching 800 of these episodes now. I've been doing one a day for more than two years now. And it's, uh, it's been a fantastic learning experience. So I think that it's a wonderful compliment to what I do on Kevin MD with the site. And as you know, people consume information in different ways. And I think a podcast is a wonderful way, uh, not only to, to share my stories, but also to, to share the stories of all the other Kevin MD authors and 
listen to what they have to say and hear their voices. Right. Yeah, I think uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, <clears throat> you're kind of underselling yourself a little bit. You know, I think you were kind of the original, one of the original medical social influencers, I'd say, when you started Kevin MD going back all those years ago. And like you touched on how things have evolved, it's pretty unbelievable. And now there's obviously a much, you know, there's obviously more podcasts out there, other sites, things like that. It's just, it's nice to talk to someone who you've kind of seen it in its infancy and then kind of obviously how to adapt as, as things have changed. It's, it's good perspective for us, especially, uh, yeah, for us who are still finding our voice and still trying to find all that. It's, it's very interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on. And like you said, I've, I've been involved in this space since 2004, so approaching 20 years. So I've seen the evolution of that intersection between medicine and social media and it's been a really eye-opening journey and it's really given me a lot of opportunities but it's been it's been a lot of fun because as you know they don't teach this in medical school and residency (laughs) no they don't definitely not what were some of the challenges i think bringing out um you know new uh new guests to your podcast and kind of fine-tuning it to what it is today what were uh some of the things you learned along the way to kind of make it into you know kind of the the nice and kind of short and sweet 20 minutes of really nice conversation between you and your guest. How, how did it evolve throughout the last two years? So I think the first thing is really just to get out of my own way. Really. I, uh, the podcast is not for me. It's really to showcase my guests. And if you listen to my episodes, I do very little talking. I really just ask some questions. I guide the conversation, but then I step back and just listen to what my guests have to say. So that's really the first thing that I learned is not to interrupt so much because sometimes I, in the beginning, I would have a propensity to do that. And, and you just have to kind of let the conversation breathe organically on its own and just let it um, take its course on its own. So, so I, what I would say is that I learned just really the art of, of interviewing and, you know, you look at some of the other great interviewers on podcasts and on television, and you just kind of listen to some of the questions that they ask and, I think a lot of times you just let the, the guest shine and, and, and turn the spotlight on them. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned is really the podcast is about the guests. It's not about, it's not about me. Absolutely. And what has been your experience since you started Kevin MD around 2004 till now, obviously the different iterations, have you seen any difference in how patients approach that aspect of their care um, when they come to you or, or talking about other doctors. You know, I think even in my limited experience, I've seen even in just the last few years since lockdowns and COVID and now coming out of that, it seems like patients are much more attuned to the social media medical community than they were not too long ago. Yeah, it's definitely less of a novelty. When we first started all back in 2004, you know, are your doctor that's on a blog, you're on doctor on social media, it was much more of a novelty. There were probably fewer than 50 of us in the country. And, you know, you have profiles of, you know, I'll have local profiles of newspapers come by and say, hey, you know, you're the blogging doctor, right? So you're <laughs> kind of like some type of a, like you said, now everyone has platforms, everyone's an influencer. And I think that's tremendously important. It's a great opportunity for us in the medical profession, because I think it's so important for us to get our voices heard. Um, and, and I always give a couple of reasons why that is. And number one, of course, is for our patients because our patients get their health information on social media, right? They, they come into my exam room and say, you know, I saw this on Facebook, I saw this on YouTube or TikTok. And, you know, what do you think about this? And 
they get a lot of their information, not necessarily from us one-on-one the exam room, but from what they see on social media. And of course, a lot of what they read on social media isn't necessarily factually correct. And during COVID, that's even more pronounced because not only is there a lot of misinformation about COVID itself, but then you have all this misinformation about vaccines and whatnot. And I spend a lot of my time in the room with patients. I only have like 15 minutes with them, but you know, if you have to spend five of those 15 minutes trying to debunk something that they've read online, that's not really the best use of, of my time. So I think it's important for more of us to be online, be on social media and really create a counter narrative of reputable health information. So you can never outcompete all the false information out there. But if we don't go online at all, a lot of that pseudoscience, a lot of that pseudo medicine is going to dominate social media, and then that's going to influence our patients and eventually make our jobs harder. So one of the things that I always talk about with physicians is that we do have a responsibility to use these platforms and get on these platforms because that's where our patients are. And sometimes we can't just do our education one-on-one the exam room. We have to do it one-to-many on these online platforms. And that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons why we should be online. And that evolution has certainly been more pronounced, especially over the last three years during the pandemic. What what initially... um... I guess, motivated you to pursue a career in medicine? Because that's kind of what started you off in this direction to, you know, get uh, involved in a medical blog and, and kind of uh, flourish in terms of your, your career currently. So what, what was the initial motivating factor to get you into medicine in the first place? I don't have a profound reason. You know, I think that a lot yeah. of reasons are, going, are, 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 are what you're going to hear from a lot of doctors, right? You want to make a, make a difference in, in people's lives, right? And right. where can you make that difference than in the exam room? Because in the exam room, patients are going to tell you things that they're going to tell no one else. Patients are going to change into gowns and they're going to show you things on their body that they're not going to show anyone else. So that trust that patients have in their physicians is, I think, unique in, you know, among pretty much every profession. And I can't think of any other way where you could make that difference in people's lives than in healthcare or when they come to you at their worst moments. So I definitely wanted to embrace that responsibility and taking that one step further. I think now with um, social media, I think back in 2004, I think one of the reasons that I realized the power of social media is that one of the patients, you know, they said to me in the exam room, he said, you know, I read your blog posts and I was comforted by what you had to say. And then I realized that having these platforms, not only can you connect with these patients um, inside the exam room, but we could connect with them outside. So not only can you make a difference, of course, when you have a patient in front of you, but you could also make a difference with patients that you may not even know when they read what you write, when they read or see you on, you know, podcasts like this or on social media, they can, um, you can realize that, hey, you can make a difference as well. And they don't necessarily have to be in front of you. Yeah. One of your guests was talking about, I think your recent guest was talking about, um, you know, passion in medicine and kind of finding, finding your passion within medicine. And it might, might not have started with the career, you know, you began with, but then you kind of realize that, okay, this is not providing a certain level of satisfaction. What is, you know, that thing in medicine that's going to provide me more satisfaction or have, you know, the passion to do that for my career. And, um, and I think we, we all kind of, are navigating that in the beginning of our career? What do we want to do for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Have you found, um, I guess, currently, is are there 
things that you're looking forward to in the future, uh, changes that you're making to Kevin MD or just career wise that, that you're looking forward to in the future? I don't think I have anything imminently planned. I think that, uh, I think one of the themes that I have on my podcast and on my blog is that as physicians, we have the power to carve out the career that we want. Right. So Mm -hmm. I always say that, you know, we are more than our degrees. And I think gone are the days where we have to, you know, spend 80 hours in a hospital a week where you have to see 30 patients in a day. And I think that we are so much more than that, because I think that if we do that and we don't feel like we have any control, that's going to be a surefire way to burnout. And I'm sure we don't need to go into all those burnout statistics that you hear all the time. But I think if we find passions and sometimes that passion can be outside of clinical medicine, if we find our passion that can continue to fuel you and continue your career in clinical medicine. And hopefully if more doctors do that, more of them can stay in rather than leaving the the profession entirely, because we need, of course, more doctors out there. There's, there's a physician shortage in pretty much any area of medicine right now. And the more that doctors leave the practice, that's not going to help our patients. So I do think that it is important for us to find, um, find our passions and uh, and it may not necessarily be in clinical medicine, but if we do that, that's going to help continue, um, you know, what we're doing. You kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, just talking about how you appreciate that there's more voices coming online in social media. You being obviously one of the, I would consider original and sort of innovators in this space. Have you felt or seen any differences in what your through line is? Because obviously you carry a wide diversity of guests you contribute to a lot of different media outlets you know different forms of media has there been a through line that's been the same for all these years has it evolved over time just in terms of what your kind of core message and what you're trying to get out there to the public is is there something that um, is is, is does it evolve constantly yeah i think it does um i think there are a lot of platforms that that are new because what's popular today, for instance, like TikTok, you know, that didn't really exist five to seven years ago, but it's a tremendously influential platform. So you see a lot of physicians, you know, not necessarily me, but a lot of physicians who are great at (laughs) dancing and whatnot, you know, they spread their message on TikTok because that's, you know, where our patients are. So yes, I do think that there's certainly an evolution in terms of medium and any physician who wants to go online, they can find something that best suits their personality. If they're great writers, of course, there's blogs, but if they're great on camera, then there's, you know, YouTube and TikTok and whatnot. Um, In terms of the message, you know, has the message evolved? Um, I think that um, the message has, yeah, I've always promoted several of the same themes that's that's kind of remained unchanged over the last like few years. You know, number one is that we need to advocate for our, our profession. We need to tell the stories that the legislators who create the laws that affect us, they may not know about, right? So sometimes having physicians share their stories that may not necessarily appear in national newspapers or national television programs, I think is tremendously important because people who make laws regarding our lives and our professional lives in medicine, they don't necessarily what goes, they don't necessarily know what goes on behind closed doors. So having a platform and having physicians use that platform to share stories behind closed doors, sharing some of the obstacles that they have when it comes to treating patients, I think is tremendously important. And then we talked about things like misinformation and all the other issues that affect patients. And then there's the whole policy part where I think physicians should speak up on, on things that are 
important to them, you know, whether it's, you know, political or not. And I know there's a lot of politically divisive topics out there, but I do encourage physicians to um, be involved in that online conversation, no matter what side of the political aisle they are, because it just goes back to um, having our voice influence public policy, because what happens again in the exam room, you know, it happens one-to-one, -one, but I think that we do have so much more potential to to influence public policy because that is also gonna affect the lives of the patients that we see. That's a great point. I mean, I think yeah. personally what I've kind of been most disappointed in just in physicians as a whole sometimes is exactly what you said. And it's, they don't get involved or they're not speaking about these things where if you don't have a seat at the table or a voice at the table, policies, laws, things will be made without your opinion and voice. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to healthcare, obviously we're, you know, an integral part of the team that does it. So I think social media is definitely a relatively low barrier entry way to at least start that process for a lot of physicians. And yeah, and it goes to that saying, right? If you're, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, right? So that's yeah, why I think exactly it's important right. for us to, exactly. uh, to be exactly. at the table. It's more intimidating to go to the top of the branch at, at a hospital system than it is to just get your word out there on social media. And, and you don't have to be extremely divisive with your, you know, opinion or medical opinion, but at least, you know, you can gather a group that's advocating for the same thing and, you know, get your voice heard. Um, but I think that that mentality of, well, either they're not going to listen to me if I go and, you know, talk about it with, you know, my colleagues at work or try to go up and talk to the uh, top of the food chain. But yeah, social media is a great platform to do that. Um, you know, we, Rick and I see a lot of challenges ahead in terms of the field of oncology with rising costs of medication, getting treatments approved. You know, we have uh, quite a hard time getting, you know, our treatments approved for patients sometimes. And a lot of time, the cost is a barrier, you know, through uh, insurances looking at, you know, benefits of a treatment and, and whether the cost is, uh, you know, worth, worth the benefit. And uh, where do you see, you know, the future in terms of rising costs of the, the drugs that are coming out in our field of oncology? I mean, we're talking easily can be $15,000 a month for a treatment, um, but at the same time, making sure that we're improving the outcomes for patients. And, and we are seeing those changes, but they're, they're slow, you know. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what's your opinion on that and how? No, I think it's a tremendous burden, especially uh, in primary care as well. I think that just the, in general, the rising cost of health care for my patients, you know, you have these high deductible plans where the deductibles are rising. So there's going to be more out-of-pocket costs and some of these medications then require pre-authorizations. And there's a lot of barriers, of course, to, that the patients have and you know, that rising cost of healthcare is, is going to go up just like everything. You know, we had the inflation numbers that just came out just earlier this week. And, you know, it, 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 we're at levels of inflation that hasn't been seen in like 20 to 30 years. So I, I think it is a tremendous problem for our patients. In terms of, of where this is going to go, you know, I, I, don't, I obviously don't have any great solutions. I think if there was a simple solution, it probably would have been enacted already. Um, I think there's, again, there's a lot of divisiveness, especially in Congress where you have differing solutions to this problem. So one of the things that I always talk about is that I think that we need to take ideas from both ends of the political spectrum. So it just can't be something that's purely progressive or something that's purely conservative. You know, I, I'm in kind of a... Uh, 
you know, maybe I live in a political, you know, I, I wish for a political system that obviously doesn't exist here in the United States. So I do think that we need to get ideas from both ends of the political spectrum, because the whole problem of the cost of healthcare, where it's consuming more than 20% of our GDP, I think it's going to require solutions that's just not confined to one ideological spectrum. Certainly, it, anyone who thinks that there's one simple fix is, I think, probably a little bit naive, because it's it's a lot of things to focus on and unwind and, and try to change. And I think compromise, to your point, is the only way it's going to go, because both sides have good ideas and pieces of good ideas that could probably be cobbled together into something that would make a difference. I think especially in our field, what we've seen is is what what are the outcomes in these studies? Like, what are we measuring in terms of whether a drug gets approved for FDA use, you know, for FDA approval and you know, the debate has been is progression-free survival or disease-free survival the best outcome or overall survival. And we talk about that a lot when we discuss different trials. And But it does drive up costs because you have a drug that gets approved for a progression-free survival benefit and you have a certain number of prescriptions sent out for that medicine over a year or two and then data comes out the next year or two showing that it's not beneficial in overall survival and the drug gets washed and look at all those dollars spent, you know, so... That's that's a big debate in oncology is what's the best outcome measure to get drugs approved and and not waste money if if the outcome is not the outcome we want for our patients. Yeah, and sure that brings up a whole bunch of questions and you know should there be some type of centralized agency like in the United Kingdom that takes a look at um, you know measures you know met, you know various metrics and they make decisions whether they should be covered or not. So I think these are yeah. all political questions that um, right now, I think the state of our country, you know, we're not in the best position to answer those questions politically. Well, and, and from a primary care perspective, I mean, it, it's always the most cost-effective, most effective things for the health of a society are preventative things, preventative health care, you know, mm-hmm. things that the primary care physician obviously is the best person to educate and handle and it's just unfortunate that it seems at least a lot of times at least in the way the current healthcare system is constructed it's more focused on oncologic drugs expensive things fancy procedures and less on cheap easy things that we know probably make a very big difference which if everyone adopted would you know the health outcomes would be better but that's beating another point that's been beaten quite a bit by plenty of people <laughs> definitely I had another question just about your, your speaking engagements. You've, you've spoken at many different uh, societies, associations. Uh, I've read the New England Journal of Medicine had you speak on, on their behalf. Um, how did you become involved in those speaking engagements? Was it just through your Kevin MD platform? And is, is that one of your passions to keep doing that, to kind of spread different messages? And, and I guess what has been the message at most of those speaking engagements? Yeah, so... Um, well, speaking has dried up certainly during the pandemic, haven't been really right. spoken in the last few years, but even before then, yeah, I've spoken the last 10 years before that, um, to different doctors, because whenever they hear about social media, right, it's always from a perspective of risk. It's always from a negative perspective, right? Don't do this. I, I heard the doctor get fired because they posted this on Facebook and whatnot. It's always from a negative perspective. So I wanted to go around the country and share my story to other physicians and really present a more, 
um, positive and opportunistic perspective when it comes to social media. And I have a lot of that from sharing my story. You know, hey, I use social media as a platform to educate patients, to define an online reputation because patients Google doctors all the time. I use social media as a platform where we can share our stories and really be influential in the field of public policy. And it's a perspective that doctors often don't hear from say their hospital risk managers or whatever lectures that they get in the hospital about social media. So that's really the topic that I share whenever I speak to medical organizations and whatnot. And as you know, as physicians, physicians generally listen to other physicians, right? You know, and if, if, if a physician gets a lecture from kind of a social media influencer that hasn't been through medicine, you know, that's, that their message probably isn't going to resonate as much. But I can talk to these doctors and I'm a practicing physician myself. I know what you're going through. I do primary care. I know how difficult it is with the electronic medical records that everyone's struggling with. And I think that will make my message resonate with other physicians. So I really just go and share my story and I share the, the pluses and minuses of social media. I just share my experiences. And my aim isn't necessarily to have an, everyone jump out of the auditorium and, and, and go on Facebook or whatnot. But really, if I could change just a few minds where they can have that light bulb moment and realize, hey, you know, social media can be a platform where I can make all these differences to, to other people. Really, that, 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 that's my goal is just to at least give them something to think about so they're just not hearing social media from a perspective of risk. And I've met doctors right. across the country. I've, I've been to places ordinarily I, I wouldn't visit, but it, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful experience and seeing some of the issues that physicians are going through and, and, and just really noticing that a lot of the issues that physicians face are just common no matter where you are in the country. Well, I, I can say we appreciate those efforts and you pioneering a lot of this from the physician social media side. So I think it's been really great for the field of medicine to have you as an advocate for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking yeah. forward and looking forward to getting back on the road probably next year. So hopefully uh, yes. we'll see where Fingers this uh, pandemic goes. <laughs> exactly. The flight cancellations need to improve. That's made me reluctant to travel recently, getting stuck somewhere. Um, one more question for you about your... Um, blog, you know, the Kevin MD site, I just had a question about, can any physician go on there and submit either a short article or, you know, a topic, and then you review that and kind of see, you know, what needs to be either edited or accepted. And how, do, how does that work just for physicians out there that might be interested in posting on your site? Absolutely. So this is, uh, let's go to kevinmd.com. There's a tab up top called contribute, and it will list all uh, everything that you need to know to share a story. And it's not just physicians, by the way, they're mostly physicians, but I also have anyone within the healthcare spectrum, right? It could be patients, nurses, um, advanced practice practitioners, really sharing their story. Because I think it's important not only for the public to learn what's going on or other physicians learning from other doctors on my site, but it's really also learning from other specialties within healthcare because sometimes we tend to be a little siloed, right? We don't necessarily what we don't necessarily know what goes on with other specialties, let alone other healthcare professionals. So it's, it's important that we all learn and hear from each other. So whenever someone shares their story, I review it personally. Like I'm the only real, uh, you know, I'm the only decision maker. So I decide what gets, gets accepted or not. And I think that it's important for anything that is of interest, any story they want to share, and even something that is on a polarizing or divisive topic, because one of the things that I do try is that I do want to present both ends of the political spectrum on my site, because everyone 
has a different point of view. You don't need me to tell you that in, in our country. So um, I always try if someone writes something from a progressive point of view, and then I will try to balance that with someone who contributes from a more conservative point of view. So I do want all perspectives of that political spectrum represent no matter what that issue is. And um, all guests who get published on Kevin MD, they'll have the opportunity to come onto my podcast, the podcast by Kevin MD. And we just talk about that article in 15 minute segments. And sometimes it's uh, important for that author's voice to come through um, in person on video rather right. than just, you know, in addition to what they write on my site. So like I said, it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, I've learned so much just listening to the other physicians and, and hearing what they have to say. So it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Great. We've learned a lot from you and, and really appreciate you taking the time and obviously encourage our listeners to visit Kevin MD, kind of learn about all the different platforms and streams they can uh, follow you and consume your, your amazing content. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin.